is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. It is ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We are here with you today, but T, we got a lot of good stuff on board for today. I don't know about you, but I am ready to get this party started on a thirsty Thursday. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right, so we got a couple a couple good things. Like I mentioned, we're going to talk about, you know, give our 74th overall pick, the Atlanta Falcons select, dot, dot, dot. We're going to fill that in in just a second. Also, we're going to talk about the Braves. They take another L. Oh, my God, what is going on? And um, college football players, mm-hmm. are they sticking around because mm-hmm. of the money? Is that one of the things why they're sticking around? And also, we will dive into the Atlanta Hawks. Not going to preview the game, but we're going to talk about something that kind of been on Tanisha's mind. She's been willing to get it off her chest. And we're going to get into all of that. And for the culture, people just losing their minds nowadays. And that, that's, that's all about all I got, T. But before we get into all that... We got to start off with the 74th overall pick. Yeah. You know, before we do that, I'm going to give a quick recap. All right. So we started off with Jermaine Johnson in the first round. Both of Tanisha and I agreed on that. Then we kind of parted our ways on the second, in that first, second round pick. You had Drake Jackson and Arnold Ebicated for your second, second round pick. And I had George Pickens for the first one. And I had Travis Jones out of UConn for the second, second round pick. Now, T, I got to ask. Mm-hmm. With the 74th overall pick, the Atlanta Falcons select. They select Isaiah Spiller from nice. Texas. Yes, yeah, running back. Am, I love it. Yes, because as I'm shifting into the deeper rounds, I'm okay with making some picks that are not in the trenches. And so with him, what I like about him is you look at his ability, obviously he's fast and um, he's one of those who is a decent pass catcher out of the backfield. And I'm always looking for that versatility as is Arthur Smith uh, So and Dave Ragone. And I know that the Falcons do have some versatility in the running back room right now. Obviously, they acquired Damian Williams in the offseason, so that gives them really a powerful back, if you will. And Cordero Patterson is still the best hybrid that probably is in the game today. I mean, he's a bruising back, but then he's an amazing receiver as well. So I do know that that running back room has some solid pieces, but I wouldn't mind taking a chance on a running back in now that we're going into these deeper rounds. And as my honorable mention, just in case, because I'm okay now with taking right. um, the uh, offensive player who's not in the trenches, I would say maybe somebody even like a wide receiver, like a Jalen Tolbert, who's from South Alabama mm, and might be yes, that downfield nice. weapon. Yeah, like a deep weapon. So, again, okay with the offensive players, um, <clears throat> position players later in the draft. I asked, I love that pick. Um, I actually like Isaiah Spiller, and you know I've been I've been mocking as we've been going through our mocks. I've been mocking, so I'm just see just to see who, who who's available. And Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller is a guy that that, that should be uh, available in the third round. So I like that pick. So now on to my pick. 
All right, here we go. Let me see, let me see what your, your thoughts about this one is. All right. And with the 74th overall pick, the Atlanta Falcons select general manager Jarvis Davis. <laughs> Logan Hall, okay. defensive end slash D-tackle out of Houston. Yes. 6'6", 283 pounds, T. And when I, you talk about versatility, this guy is the definition of it. I'm mm-hmm. talking about whether he can play the, in the five technique, if they um, DPs want to play in the 3-4, mm-hmm. you know, in that base. And if he wants to go into the nickel, which is – Probably what they're going to do seventy five percent of the time. He can play in that in that three tech as well. So and he's he's long. He's guys. He uses his mm-hmm. hands. He uses that to his advantage because you know a lot of times tall guys can you know get a little tall and, and, and coming out of their stands and want to and stand up and see see what's mm-hmm. going on at the line of scrimmage and you know in order to get leverage that's kind of hard for a guy to do who's that tall. So yeah. and he's a guy who takes advantage of that and I really appreciate. Him for that, and he was down at the Senior Bowl as well. Mm-hmm. You see a, a theme here, T. There are yeah. a lot of guys that, that I got a chance to get my eyes on live and in person I, that I really, really like. And the, the Falcons like a lot of guys from the Senior Bowl as well, mm-hmm. last year as well. So they, they draft several of those guys um, in the 2021 draft. So mm-hmm. um, if if the Falcons take Logan Hall. That will be my hell yeah pick because he's oh. a versatile guy. I'm and I would sure. co-sign on it completely because he almost made my list. I was literally going, do I want to go <laughs> Isaiah Spiller or Logan Hall as my primary primary with Jalen uh, still in the background, so to speak. But uh, Tolbert, excuse me. But yes. I will tell you. Literally, that's why I'm smiling because I'm like, yeah, I was looking, I was looking. So we're we're both on the on the hell yeah train, whether they go Spiller or or whether they go Hall. No doubt about it. And my hell no pick, I'm gonna go with another position group. Stay away, please, from safety. Stay away. Stay away. We need. I will continue to reiterate this. We need to see what the Falcons already have on their roster in Richie Grant. Yeah. That is a he was a second round pick, and I think mm-hmm. that when you look at the way that guy is, he kind of came along towards the end of last year. I think yeah. that he needs to be a guy that, given the opportunity, not necessarily given. Let me let me take that back. He needs to be um, given the chance to yeah. prove himself, to yeah. prove that he was worth that second round pick, and I think he does have the ball skill set mm-hmm. to be able to do that um, at that safety position. So. Agreed. That's what that's my my hell no position pick. Stay away from safety. Keep yeah, I'm probably away from the, safety. Yeah, I'm probably on the hell no with that as well. I just think that the secondary is the least of their concerns. The Falcons have a lot of concerns. We all acknowledge that, but that might be the one area the secondary where no, let let's not. Or if we do, can we maybe wait another round and really get into the deep side? of the draft in order to maybe pick up one or two, but I'm with you. Keep churning in the areas where you have the most need or where you need to upgrade as opposed to that. I I do think, and I agree with you that that's a hell no, because it just still feels like a reach in the third round. Indeed. And we will be giving out the second third round pick tomorrow, Friday on a a fantastic Friday. We'll be going through our, our next third round pick. So make sure you um, stay tuned tomorrow for that. But now, 
college football players, you know, the college football scene T has really, really switched up, right? It's, it's changed mm -hmm. a lot, you know, with the NIL deals and the transfer yeah. portal. You know, a lot of college football coaches have been really concerned about both of those pieces. And I think one of the guys that have been really staunch about and really open-mouthed about it, and I, sometimes I wish he could shed it, is Dabo Swinney. Mm -hmm. And talking about, you know, the, the the capitalistic society that he's able to take advantage of, but he doesn't yeah. want the players to take advantage of it. So it just, I'm, I'm really trying to figure out where he where his uh, line, uh, what his what his uh, motive is when it comes mm -hmm. to that type of stuff. But mm -hmm. to me, it feels like that the fact that he's losing that power that he had, he's able to hold over those players when it comes to transferring, when it comes to, you know, recruiting and being able to go wherever you please and not necessarily have to go to the big boy power schools in order to be seen, in order to be able to get a little, a little change or get some notoriety. I, I think that's the thing that he's scared of losing. Yeah. Um, that, you know, when, when you talk about why he's been so staunchly against these type of things going on. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that he's looking at it from a very selfish perspective because if someone came in and tried to regulate and put a cap on his salary or Nick right. Saban's salary, Man. it would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would be a problem. So, yeah, I, I'm all for some form of regulation and trying to create parity, but my rationale is different. My rationale right. is more of parity amongst the divisions, your D1s and your D2s, for lack of a better term, or the division of power within a school like South Carolina. Because really, your powerhouse is the women's basketball team. They run that right. campus. So right. how do they get paid relative to the football team? Although, yes, the Gamecocks are in the SEC football-wise. But again, that's kind of where I want the regulation. But I, I don't want some of the regulation that he's talking about and for me Jarvis it feels like those stipulations might actually not those stipulations may make a player say you know what I have this one more year that I have to stay on the college football landscape I am going to use it as my prove it year get some of this NIL money but I am still yeah. going to go to the league because if I go to the league especially if I'm projected say in that top 10 if you will my money's still going to run longer for longer and I don't risk the run the risk of injury like sometimes right. players stay an extra year you just never know what might happen so it'll be interesting to see whether or not the appeal is there but it, if it's there I would say it's probably there more for maybe a guy who is not sure if he's going to be drafted or feels he's going to be drafted in the later rounds and who knows maybe his NIL money will get him more than his rookie contract. No doubt about it. And I think that the, the, the big piece is the overall view of it. what I like about it is that what you talked about is that the players have a lot of options. They have more options. Yes. Because, like I said, if, if I'm a mid-round projected pick, maybe the fourth or fifth round, you know, it's not that much guaranteed money. And then, yep. you know, I still have to make – I still don't have a guaranteed spot on the 53. Right. You know, the league minimum is $705,000. So those are the type of things that – these guys have to go take a big risk saying, you know what, I'm, this, this may be my opportunity to do it. But if I'm getting a couple uh, – even if I'm getting 30, 40 grand from a couple of different deals, right. you know, it might not be that 705000 but it is some money that can give me some incentive to, to where I can – 
not have to make such a, a stressful decision because yeah. I have some some change in my pocket. And I can also benefit from coming back and, 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 and boosting my stock and maybe potentially being a third round pick or a second round pick, you know, which gives you more guaranteed money, which me, will be in, in the future help me make better decisions. And I think that's what it's all about. And now, T, lastly, the, the Braves, they can't get it going. They lose to the Los Angeles Dodgers, five to one, yeah. out at Dodger Stadium. Freddie Freeman killing again. He does it again. He goes yard again against Charlie Morton. Man, what is going? Oh, T, like how we go? What What are we gonna do? Like, <laughs> I guess that's the question I need to ask. <laughs> right, and the, there's kind of good news on this front. Although, yes, the Braves are now six and eight. At least they have the day off and they have the opportunity to regroup before their six-game homestand against the Marlins and the Cubs. So that that's positive. Let, let's assume they'll regroup and do better once they come back to Truist Park. But also, and we'll have to get into this tomorrow, there are some interesting stats across all of Major League Baseball that will tell Braves country it's not as bad as it seems. But you stick around with us tomorrow and we'll deep dive into it and tell you a little bit more about why it's not as bad as it seems. And I don't think it's bad. I mean, for the first time, first thing that comes to mind, it's 162 games. It's okay. Yeah. That'll be all right. It will be all right. And you're going to be all right because you're going to continue to watch us and, and follow us on the other side as, as we take a little deep dive into what's going on with the Atlanta Hawks and What's, we're going to go take a little quick trip around the NBA. Don't go anywhere. It's ATL Day 1s with Jarvis and Tanitra. We'll be back. Welcome back to ATL Day 1s. That's Jarvis. I'm Tanitra. We appreciate you continuing to rock with this program, this podcast. We ask you guys to just check us out wherever it makes you comfortable, whatever works for you. So whether that's on all of the audio platforms out there, you can check us out there. If you're a YouTuber, hey, go subscribe, like us, and definitely leave us comments. We check those comments out and we take that feedback very, very seriously. And if you have the 11 Alive Plus app, you can now check us out there as well as everyone who's in the Locked On Sports Atlanta family. Now, Jarvis, there's something that you and I are going to check out and have our eye on a little bit today, but really more so tomorrow because, of course, the Hawks got back to practice today. And we really want to see and keep our eye on what's going on with Clint Capella. How close is he to possibly coming back in this series, if at all? That being said, that along with what happened in the last three minutes, of game two have the Hawks as underdogs, one and a half point underdogs in game three at State Farm Arena. Do you think that the Hawks are going to go down 3-0 tomorrow night? You know what? To be honest with you, just given how this team got into the playoffs, what they had to do to get into the playoffs, I think it's going to be a raucous car out tomorrow. And I, and I think that – Trey and company is going to feed off of that. And yes. I think Trey Young is on a mission. And, mm -hmm. and when Young is on a mission, yeah. I, I think that the Hawks have a pretty good chance of, 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 of getting, that, getting that first win of the series and, and, yeah. and, and extending this bad boy out because, you know, Trey gets going. And I think regardless of what the injury status is with, with Clint Capella, mm -hmm. I, I think the Hawks have a really good chance of, 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 of getting a win tomorrow against the Miami Heat. 
Agreed. It's a sold out crowd already. Even standing room only is all but sold out. And we haven't had a chance to talk about this a lot. We'll talk about it tomorrow. But yes, the bench mob comes alive like nobody's business when it comes to that State Farm Arena crowd. They just feed off them off of them in an amazing way. Bogdan Bogdanovich took care of business, but really he was the only bench mobber that has taken care of business so far. Right. So we are looking for them to have a much bigger impact. Now, speaking of series that are going back and forth, it seems like every series in this opening round is a toss up for different reasons, starting with the Nets. The Nets had a 17 point lead against the Celtics last night. So you're thinking to yourself, especially if you turn the game off at that point, hey, right. uh, the Nets are going to take it back to Brooklyn. It'll be tied up 1-1, and then it becomes a serious series. Not so fast, folks. You know who had something to say about that? Wheeler's own Jalen Brown. He put the clamps on KD like nobody's business. Amazing defense, but also Jarvis, his offense. 22 points, if you will, was the key really to getting the Celtics back in the game and ultimately getting them to go up 2-0. But my question to you is this. Word is that Ben Simmons is very close to a return, possibly in game four. We know that there's a game three before that. But do you think that Ben Simmons coming back, especially if the Nets go 2-1 in game three, that'll actually make it a series for the Nets? I don't think so, because when you think about when a guy coming in and, you know, coming in like that, you know, he's been out for so long. You're talking mm -hmm. about over a year. You haven't played real, real live basketball. So that's one of those things where you kind of take, take a step back and like, OK, all right. If he's he had something going on with him, right? We, yeah. He had some injury, whatever, mm -hmm. the mental issues and yeah. all that stuff. When you think about that first game back, I'll never forget my first game back, coming back off of the injury, and, and mm -hmm. the first, only thing I could think about while I was out there on the field was, man, all right, do I go? If I go this way, do, mm -hmm. is it going to tweak, or is it, yeah. if it? Is there something you just think about? Whatever that can possibly trigger that injury. And my mm -hmm. coach said, you know what, you good, man. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead and get out. And mm -hmm. he's like, we'll 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 work it out. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll save you for the playoffs. You know, but <laughs> I, I think there was something, and and I just believe that. And, you know, I like to call myself a mentally strong guy, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't, you know, a weak mind or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that when you have the issues that Simmons has had mentally and physically, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, or whatever he's dealing with physically, uh, it's just going to be a process. And I don't yeah. think that expecting him come, to come back and be a big factor or a big be a big key for for the Brooklyn Nets. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that's possible. It's just, I don't see it happen. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and I think the only impact that he will have for them is the fact that they have blown a lead a couple times and big leads, and he plays defense. And really nobody on the Nets, as we saw in one of the last regular season games here at State Farm Arena, they just don't play defense. Like, nobody plays defense for them. Right. So exactly. I think that's the one area where maybe – I'm going to use this term. He'll extend the series. I don't think that gets them the win of the series, but he okay. may just coming back in game four, especially if they can win game three, he may just extend the series to maybe six games if the Nets are fortunate. Now, another back and forth, interesting matchup that, I don't know, shocked me a little bit, but then maybe not so much because of players that are off the, the court. And that's the Sixers-Raptors. So yeah. the Sixers, 
go through all of regulation without a lead, <laughs> tie the thing up at the end and take it to overtime. And then it's looking like back and forth, back and forth, possibly a double overtime. And here comes Joel Embiid, who has been playing lights out this entire season and snatches any opportunity for the Raptors to get a win, snatches it out of the jaws and it becomes 104-101. And it's the very last second that he hits a three. So he's that big man who can go outside and make some things happen. And Jarvis, my question to you is, especially because, yes, the Raptors got Gary Trent Jr. back. They did not get Scotty Barnes back. Yep. So mm -hmm. now that you're in this position, I think this series might be done. Oh, yeah. All I have to do is I have three letters. MVP. Oh, Joe L. Embiid is doing things that I have never seen a big man do yes, before. Yes. Uh, I'm talking about whether that be Kevin Garnett. Like, mm -hmm. people want to throw his name out there, and I was just mm -hmm. like, no, Embiid is too. 275, yes. almost 300 pounds, doing right. step back threes, crossing yes. people up, taking running the ball up the floor. Yeah, I mean, I know we saw Shaq do it a couple of times back in his heyday, but it was, a, it was it was exactly right. Exactly, there are a couple of highlights you can go find, mm -hmm. and everybody thought that was such a big deal. But mm -hmm. Embiid is doing it to the point where people aren't even talking about it. He does yeah. it on a regular basis. Yeah. And you're not supposed to be seven one, seven two, almost three hundred pounds. No. I hear handling the rock like that. That just mm -hmm. it's unbelievable to see, to watch this dude play basketball. And I'm just yeah. like, man, like nobody has a chance if this dude is on. If he's healthy, nobody has a chance. Nobody should be able to guard this dude if he's yeah. healthy. And that's what he's been. And I think the no pun intended, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, I think there is a the Embiid is in a space where if he stays healthy, watch mm -hmm. out for the 76ers. And I think yeah. this is the first time I've really been able to, like, really truthfully say that. Yeah. And that is really something huge to be said, because James Harden has not given the Sixers what they wanted out of him quite yet. But they are getting it from different places, including he's facilitating. Though. I will give him that. He's been yeah. he's been he's been facilitating yeah, but, but know, for the, the most part. The day, yeah. Yeah. You, you need him to score. You need him yeah. to score and give you a that's why you bring him in. Yeah, that's fair. But, exactly. But you got yeah. Tobias Harris that's coming up the rear offensively to give Joel Embiid some help. And interestingly enough, now another series real quick that's going to turn, could turn on a dime, is that bulls Bucks series. Now, for me, I still believe the Bucks to be the best team in the Eastern Conference, regardless of record. Their record is like that because they kept losing players. Drew Holiday going down, Chris Middleton going down, so uh, Pat Connaughton going down. They just kept losing players. And now here they are on the cusp of what could have been a 2-2, excuse me, a 2-up lead on the Bulls. And then in the fourth quarter, Chris Middleton goes down with that MCL sprain and the Bulls pull away, get the four point win. Now that series is tied up. If Chris Middleton can't come back, do the Bucks still win the series? Wow. Um, I think purely based off of the Superman like yeah. capabilities of Giannis. Yeah, I think it can get past Chicago because I mean, mm -hmm. Chicago has been a good story all year. But yes. at the end of the day, it comes down to 
experience and we're talking about the world champions right here this yeah. is I, I think a lot a lot of people forget like oh yeah milwaukee did win the yeah. the, the championship uh last year yeah. yeah they did oh yeah okay they are good so i right. i think that for those reasons right there I, I believe that milwaukee should be able to get past chicago bulls and i'm not really concerned about them losing this series against a team that essentially just got thrown together and they had it was a good story in the regular season but hey the postseason is, is a whole different chapter and indeed. we all know that for sure indeed and you look at what Giannis has been able to do and the Bucks they may be other than say the Spurs team in their early uh, run of the dynasty or even taking it back to like the Rockets team the second uh, time they won the championship most under the radar champion in recent memory but yeah when you got Giannis you always have a chance and if it's going to take DeMar DeRozan having a 41-point night for the Bulls to win by just four points, I agree with you. I think the Bucks are in good standing to still get out of the first round, and then we'll see where they can go from there. When we come back, it is for the culture. And like Jarvis said, we are going to talk about all the cray-cray. So join us on the other side. Welcome back into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitri. We want to thank you for rocking with us today on a good old Thursday. And, you know, we, we did the first couple of segments, and we thank you for watching this last one because this is a very important one. It's near and dear to our hearts. It's called For the Culture. Um, we got a couple of stories that, you know, people have kind of lost their mind. Or as T would say, they're going a little cray-cray. But before yes. we get into that, I definitely want to say, you know, thank you to you all for, you know, checking us out and mm-hmm. thank for liking and subscribing to our YouTube page, which is Locked On Sports Atlanta. We got a big old lineup for you. A to Z with Mark Zeno, hitting hard with John Chuckery. And, of course, we're bringing up the rear ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and T. So make sure you go um, also check us out on the podcast, plat- on any podcast platform. Wherever you download your podcast, you can find us. I promise you we're there. Go ahead and give us a good old review and give us some comments as well. We love yeah. your feedback. We appreciate you for that. Now, T, there is a Florida woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how whenever you start a story off with right a Florida man or a Florida woman, you know your ears should be peaked. All right, so yeah. uh, <laughs> these ladies, this lady, a bride by the name of Dana Glennie, she um, had a wet, and her caterer Jocelyn Bryant, who mm-hmm. deems herself a holistic chef, whatever that whatever that means. Right. All right, so <laughs> they um. Glennie was, you know, getting married and everything, and and they had the wedding, and some people at the wedding had a couple of issues, right? They one of them called themselves saying they weren't feeling well. The other one mm-hmm. saying that you know they you know they feel like they were stoned, quote unquote, and and so that, that came to the point where a lot of people started asking questions. Yeah. All right, so you know you got a wedding, people not feeling right. Some people right. saying they're stoned. They like, hey, I know this feeling. Why am I feeling like this? I didn't ingest anything. Wait a minute, I ate the food that was catered to the entire event. So. Uh, Miss Glennie and Miss Bryant are facing charges of tampering, mm-hmm. culpable negligence, and delivery of marijuana. T, what were they thinking? Oh, there's no way this couldn't have been a mistake, right? Well, there's a lot of pressure <laughs> on the caterer to deliver as far as the food selection is concerned. Because you know, every, and Jarvis, you've been there, done that, because you have been married, you've had, you had a wedding. 
Right, and of course. you know, the one thing you don't want people to walk away saying is, you know, that food was not on point. That cake was dry. You know, they went cheap on that food. It was a cash bar and they know they could have just given us that bar. Right, exactly. Yeah. So those mm-hmm. are the three components along with, of course, being on time. But when we're talking about the reception, people are serious about that, what that food, that cake and that drink action is about. So maybe they thought that they were just going to take it to the next level because they just wanted the reception to be kind of out of this world. And on some level, it was out of this world. Yeah, they, it was out yeah, of this planet. They were high on a whole nother level. Um, <laughs> and you know how yeah. things can get real crazy on, 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 on the internet, you know, cause the internet never loses. It's undefeated. Right. I will always continue to say that time and time again, you know, they've even gotten the, um, they even got to the point where they found THC and the lasagna and the bread. I was like, I've never, you know, people got the little um, edibles and everything. You know, I heard right. the brownies, yeah. you know, cookies yeah. and all that good stuff, gummy bears and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I've heard of these things. And I, I think that, you know, but when you start getting into like regular food, I feel like lasagna and bread, I don't want to get yeah. high off my bread. Like, can right. I just carb up and soak up the alcohol that I eat, <laughs> you know, so when I eat my bread and everything. So, but yeah, it is, uh, Miss Glennie and Miss Bryant uh, are facing some uh, pretty serious charges there. And, uh, whew, hey, I hope yeah. I hope you got a good lawyer. I can say that I much. Because so. the lawsuits took, are coming. <laughs> yeah, I think you took that song, weed every day. I think you took that a little too, like, literally. It's not what he meant. Yeah, sm- smoke it. Not ingested. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it next time. Yeah, All right. <laughs> Darn sure not at the wedding. Good Lord. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. Continuing with the cray cray. All right. My main man, Josh Phillips of uh, North Central um, College, mm-hmm. said, you know, he had a go-ahead home run. You know, they were playing against Weatherford um, College. You know, in a ju- these are junior colleges. And Josh Phillips hit a go-ahead home run. Nothing, nothing, you know, too out of the crazy. You know, just – Normal, you know, guy out there doing this thing on the baseball field, trying to make it, right? Yeah. And uh, but uh, my main man, uh, Owen Woodard, Woodward, mm-hmm. was didn't, didn't didn't take too kindly of the home run, I guess. Cool. So as uh, Josh was rounding third base, mm-hmm. Mr. Woodward uh, went into uh, Bobby Boucher mode, uh, water boy, and. Uh, Caught him coming around that third base and knocked the mess out of him, T. Like, oh, my God, the video is absolutely crazy. I'm just sitting up here like, why this dude just go crazy and just just knock the man out like that? You know, and um, I just thought it was just really, really crazy that he would do that. And, you know, and the um, Weatherford College has released a statement saying that he faces potential disciplinary action. Like, what I mean, what comes to mind when you think about something like this? Like, he hasn't been having a really bad day, right? <laughs> well, you know, we talk all the time about players having that dog in them and players having that wolf <laughs> in So I guess he had that dog in him and he wanted to show you what you're not going to do next time. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that just has to be it. That has to be it. That has to be it. But you know who else has that dog in him? Oh, John Chuckery. Now, of yes. course. We here at ATL Day Ones, we want this to be your first listen all day, every day. But we want your second listen to be hitting hard with John Chuckery. That's where you get the Atlanta Sports Talker, 
of Chuck every day and anytime with the real fans take on Atlanta sports. And if you guys know me, you know, it's straight, no chaser, hitting hard with John Chuckery, part of our Locked On Sports Atlanta family. Free and available on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast. Check him out today. Check us out and we'll run it back for you tomorrow as well, where we are going to deep dive into Hawks. We're going to talk a little bit more about where the Braves are and any and everything that's happening on the Atlanta sportscape. But until then, be we'll safe. See you. Well, we'll see you. Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow.